Welcome to Worship with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia, brought to you at a time when we join you in practicing social distancing to curb the pandemic virus. This sermon podcast is from our online virtual worship service that you can find through our website at opmh.org. We pray that in the not-too-distant future we will welcome you in person when you visit us in Old Town, Alexandria. Good morning, and welcome to worship at the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, know that you are welcome here. We're not worshiping inside the sanctuary, but God's whole world is a sanctuary. And worship is a conversation between God and God's people. And we're doing that from home for now until it's safe to regather. The Lord be with you. Let us worship God. Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. Listen for the word of God. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God, forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, 
If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What a whiplash. In last week's lesson, Jesus blesses Peter and declares him to be the rock on which he will build his church. And in what seems like his very next breath, Jesus berates Peter and declares him to be a stumbling block threatening his mission. What precipitated such a dramatic turn of events? Well, as Matthew tells the story, immediately after praising Peter for his insight, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must undergo great suffering and be killed and on the third day be raised. Needless to say, that wasn't what Peter wanted or expected to hear. He and the other disciples must have been excited thinking about what Jesus might do for them as the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He and the other disciples must have thought they would be the first to see God's promises fulfilled. To borrow from one commentator, the cries of slaves in Egypt, the yearning of exiles in Babylon, the prayers of Roman subjects, these are all being heard by Jesus, God's anointed. And God's anointed will respond in a way that will transform the world and set things right. Nothing will ever be the same from this moment forward. The world is shifting under their feet, but not as they expected. You can't blame Peter for taking Jesus aside after hearing him talk of being killed and saying to him, that can never happen. I mean, how can Jesus save Peter or anyone else for that matter if he is killed like some ordinary prophet? As the Messiah, he is supposed to save us from our enemies, not be killed by them, right? Wrong. Of course, Peter is not the only one to misunderstand Jesus. Like him, our minds are set on human things not divine things. So much so that we often fail to live up to our calling as Christians. Like Peter, like the disciples, like so many other people, past and present, our minds are set on power and privilege instead of service and sacrifice. It is our default setting, as one writer puts it. But this story is aimed at a reset. According to Matthew, after berating Peter, Jesus immediately turns his attention to the rest of his disciples, including you and me. 
saying, If anyone wants to become my followers, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Well, what does this mean? What does Jesus expect from us? And more to the point, how are we to take up a cross? I invite you to take a moment to think about the word cross. What does it refer to? What do you think it means to Jesus? What does it mean to you personally? And in what way do you take one up? These are important questions to wrestle with because as this and other passages remind us, it is quite clear that the admonition to take up a cross and follow is not just a rhetorical device, but an actual requirement for any and all would-be disciples of Jesus. Like other students of Scripture, I have long wrestled with questions like these and with the various answers that theologians have proffered over the years. But what intrigues me now is something I learned from Caroline Lewis. According to Lewis, long before the cross became acquainted with salvation and a symbol for Christianity, it was used to mark a moment when, as she put it, the paths of life were not fixed, when the direction for how to be in the world was less than certain, when God seemed to be rerouting the future. Before the cross was something in which to believe, it was a moment in time, a moment in the life of the first disciples in which they learned how to believe. Well, as you'll recall from last week's lesson, this conversation comes immediately after Jesus' question to his disciples, Who do you say that I am? And Peter's bold confession, Well, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. The setting was and still is significant. Caesarea Philippi. It is a critical moment for the disciples a moment to decide whose side they were on, the side of the empire or the side of Jesus' kingdom. Seen in this light, the call to deny themselves and take up a cross is meant to reinforce the issue at hand. Whose side do they want to be on going forward? In other words, it is another come to Jesus moment. To paraphrase Lewis, such a moment is when you catch a glimpse of what it means to live a Christian life, a moment that stops you in your tracks. It is the moment when you are told the life you thought you wanted, planned for, prayed for, was not the life God had in mind for you. It is the moment when you have to choose whether or not you are willing to have something else or someone else have more control over your life than you do. It is the moment when you are at a crossroad, when your identity as a Christian 
is called into question. There are many such moments in our lives, but none so pressing as the one we are in right now. We are clearly at a crossroad, our Caesarea Philippi moment, when we must choose between human things and divine things. And the question before us is critically important. Will we live and work according to the dictates of the empire or to the teachings of Jesus Christ? It bears noting at this point that before the cross became acquainted with salvation, it was seen and known as an instrument of condemnation and death. It was a sign for what happens when people speak up and speak out against the corrupt and corrupting powers of the empire. According to Lewis, taking up the cross means the willingness to stand against any power that silences and oppresses, the insistence on speaking up for those the world would crucify, and the courage to call a thing what it is. It means the resolution to renounce those systems and institutions and leaders who choose themselves over others and who eschew community for the sake of their own betterment. Well, sadly, there is no shortage of powers, systems, institutions, and leaders to renounce and call to accountability. If ever there was a moment for people like us to make a stand for the teachings and work of Jesus, it is now. It is now when we are arguing over how or whether to fight a deadly pandemic. Now when so many cannot get or afford the health care they so desperately need. Now when the divide between the haves and the have-nots is growing exponentially. Now when the myriad problems of systemic racism are finally being unmasked. Now when so many are being denied equal justice under the law. Now when armed vigilantes roam our streets randomly killing our citizens. Now when the truth is regularly mocked and assaulted by the very leaders who have sworn to tell us the truth. Now, when the edicts of the empire are so clearly in opposition to the ethics of Jesus's kingdom. According to Matthew, Jesus said, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up a cross and follow. Friends, let's not fool ourselves. To follow Jesus means more than simply joining him on the road to Jerusalem. It also means following his teachings and his work. All of it, not just the parts that suit our liking. As one scholar reminds us, a cross-and-follow kind of life is not a one-time decision, 
but demands and deserves ongoing discernment and deliberation. Or as Lewis might put it, a cross and follow kind of life includes all those moments when we must decide if it is Jesus or someone or something else that controls our lives. As I see it, we are clearly living in one of those moments. This is our moment, our moment to decide if we will be the kind of disciples, the kind of church that Jesus wants us to be, or something less than that. This is our moment to take up a cross and follow Jesus. I pray we are up to the challenge, not just for our sakes, but for the sake of all the people God loves. Amen. Beloved, this is our moment to decide if it is Jesus or someone or something else that will control our lives. May God help us to take up a cross and follow Jesus and to be a source of blessing and a sign of hope to and for the world God loves. Amen.